Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and welcome to the quarantine edition of Half the Battle Part 2. Really appreciate the feedback y'all gave me on Part 1. If you haven't checked it out, make sure y'all go back and check that out right now. Uh, I thought it came out really good. It was a pretty damn good episode, but now uh, it's time to keep this thing going, man. It's time to keep giving y'all content, and uh, let's get through this time together. So today's going to be an interesting interesting episode of Half the Battle. We're going to be joined by undefeated UFC light heavyweight prospect Jamal Hill and you know this is a guy he's six foot four has a 79 inch reach undefeated so you know he's bringing that that swag with him and what's interesting about these undefeated fighters man I love talking to them because they have that confidence they feel like they're untouchable they uh they truly believe that they have a new fighting style that no one's ever seen before and just that youthful energy man that confidence it really gets you it really gets you invested in them and really makes you want to see what these guys are going to end up doing with their careers and I can't wait to talk to Jamal Hill because I know for a fact that uh this guy isn't just in the UFC to say that oh man I got to fight in the big show this one time and then go back to the regional scene and get cut uh nah I mean I think this guy is trying to make a serious run uh he got to the UFC at only 6-0. and Now he's 7-0, and won that fight against Darko Stosic. Uh, definitely has a lot of athletic tools, but the martial arts background with this kid, uh, the striking is seriously on point. His get-up game, uh, I like what I see from this kid. I'm very curious to see how he develops uh, as his career progresses, and uh, can't wait to hear what he has to say. And then we're going to be joined by longtime friend of the show, James Vick. Now, it's interesting because... I had James on the show, you know, back when he was undefeated in the UFC and then back when he was 9-1 and one in the UFC, he had a 90% win rate. We used to call him Mr. 90%. I know y'all remember we used to bet on James Vick almost every fight, win 90% of those. Well, then he got to the top 10 and the last four fights haven't gone his way at all. So I'm going to ask him all about that. And I know y'all want to hear what he has to say about that because, uh, look, I mean, I've spoken to him at length about this kind of stuff uh, off air, but now we're going to talk about it on air. And also, he was uh, in Thailand doing some training, expecting to get a call, and then this whole coronavirus situation came out of nowhere. So he wasn't able to just go home and hang out with his girl and with his son. He had to go into a self-quarantine, and the guy's hunting his own food. Uh, He's doing the whole bit. I'm going to let him talk about it. So make sure you all listen to my uh, self-quarantine talk with James Vick here in a little bit. And last but not least, another longtime friend of the show is joining us, Mike Biggie Rhodes. You know, this is a guy that, uh, similar to Vic, uh, you know, when no one gave a shit about me and uh, I was a no-name in this game, uh, he was one of the guys that gave me the time of day and basically helped me get some experience and and was just there. We ended up becoming good friends afterwards, so it's good to it's gonna be good to call Mike Biggie Rhodes here in a little bit. I mean, y'all 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 know exactly who he is. This is a guy. He beat Alan Juban. He beat Zach Otto. He had an amazing uh, three round fight with Robert Whitaker in Australia. And most recently I know a lot of the fans remember uh when Anthony Pettis fought Nate Diaz during that open workout. I don't know if y'all remember but Anthony Pettis was teeing off on his big sparring partner, and that big sparring partner was my boy Mike Biggie Rhodes. Even uh, John Jones commented on it. He uh, he subtweeted the clip of Anthony doing all that stuff to Biggie, and he's like, "Man, uh, this sparring partner's serious." Well, I'm gonna talk to that serious sparring partner here in a little bit. Uh, first, we're gonna hit up Jamal Hill, uh, but before we do that, uh, just gotta make sure y'all are hanging in there, man. Uh, these are some trying times for everybody, and you just gotta make sure that. 
not to be too down on yourself, no matter what the case may be. Let's try to get a routine going, whether it's exercise or art or music, podcasting, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever kind of new hobby you want to take on or you want to revisit an old one or just something to get your mind off things. Because I know if you sit there and do nothing, that's the easiest way to fall into a depression and to question why things are happening the way they are. So let's uh, let's do something productive and make this time count, man, because that's the only way we're going to get through this with a level head and be ready to take on what's next. So again, make sure if y'all ever need a talk, just hit me up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're all in this together and we all go through hard times, but we're all doing the right thing, staying at home to make sure this thing doesn't spread anymore. And eventually life's going to get back to normal. It's just a matter of time. All right. Well, let's hit up undefeated UFC light heavyweight prospect Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Joining me now is undefeated UFC light heavyweight prospect Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Jamal, welcome to Half the Battle. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Glad doing amazing uh, as much as I can be, man. I mean, I'm staying positive, uh, but, man, we got to pass that on to other people that are down right now. Uh, these are very interesting times. Only the strong will survive. How are you dealing with these times, man? I mean, I'm holding it together, man. I'm just doing what I can, just hanging out, chilling, you know, um, uh, don't put in whatever work I can put in, you know, trying to get some things in motion, you know, just things that I, whatever I can do to take advantage of just the situation of what it is. 100%. So, man, you came up on that Michigan regional scene, and it's funny because I know a lot of the fighters from that scene, obviously Dequan Townsend, who you fought, and even guys in the lightweight division like Troy Lampson, Kenny Cross, uh, both those guys actually fought one of my boys, Robert Hale. So growing up in uh, Michigan, it's interesting because it's, uh, it's known for their wrestling, but you're a striker, so tell me about uh, your martial arts background. Man, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a full all well-rounded martial arts. I'm not just a striker. I'm everything, you know. Um, I'm just my striking is world class. It's like my everything is world class that I do. You know, I got world class trainers and coaches that pour their time and energy into me to uh, help make me successful and help give me the tools that I need to get to to accomplish all the dreams and all the goals that I want to accomplish in sport. So you're still really young in your career, man, only 7-0. and 0, And that fight you had against Dequan Townsend on the regional scene. So it's interesting because that's the first time I heard about you, and it was because he was making his UFC debut. So I went back to watch the tape on him. I saw that five-round fight y'all had. I was like, oh, this kid, uh, Jamal Hill, is definitely going to be in the UFC one day. Now you are. But the reason I'm, I'm bringing that fight up is because how important was it for you to go five hard rounds and overcome adversity versus such an experienced fighter that early on in your career? Uh, it was it was huge. Um, the what are the things that I learned in the fight against Daquan? You know, uh, it was the shout out to Daquan. You know, uh, that's 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 my bro. You know, he's like a uh, he's like a brother to me. You know, uh, we kick it anytime we together. We hang out. We link up whenever we can and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was important. I learned a lot in that fight. That, uh, a lot of a lot of experience. Uh, tough dude. Uh, super super talented. You know. Um, but I went in. I went in uh, just with on a mission, just to implement my implement my game, just perfecting my craft, and just steady working on my craft to get better and get better. And uh, what I won or lost that fight, I accomplished that. You know, whether I mean, no matter what the outcome was in that fight, you know. But yeah, I definitely appreciate that fight. 
So after the fight with Dequan, you got the contender series call, and man, the liver kicks from the southpaw stance were absolutely brutal. Would you say that left kick and that left straight are your go-tos? Nah, um, they're they're open a lot. I mean, I just I I throw whatever I throw whatever's open. If you if you give me the opening, I'm gonna take it. If that's what's uh, if that's what's there, and that's what's open, and that's what I'm gonna take. So you timed that fight perfectly. I mean, when it was time to turn up, you turned up. And at some, at some point, he even started to act like body shots were low blows. At what moment did you feel like your opponent started to break? Um, when, when uh, yeah, whenever in the second round, whenever we clinched up, and I hit him with those body shots in the clinch, he kind of oh, like he kind of like like gave like a little like a grunt and let me know like all right, he's starting to. He's starting to give a little bit, you know. And then, yeah, whenever I uh, whenever I hit him with that knee, that knee hit him like right, like right in the body, like right in the soft spot where you don't want it to go, you know, like just just above the belt line. Um, I knew that I hurt him. Whenever he was like, "Oh, he tried to fake like it was just try to fake like I hit him in the nuts," and I was like, "Oh, okay, go, just keep just keep pressing him." White's reaction. It was kind of funny because you know at first he he was pulling the string a little bit, acting like he wasn't interested, and then. He said he wanted you. So while he was giving that speech, were you at all like, shit, is he going to sign me? Like, were you confident? What, what was uh, the feeling like in that moment? Like that. Whenever he first started talking, hell yeah. That was the first thing with my mind. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, he needs more experience. He's, he's really great. He's really young. I'm like, how do you get that from the first round? You know what I mean? I just, I was coming out. It's a fill out process. I mean, I guess. You just want people to just go out, you know what I mean? Come out hot and heavy in the first round. That's just that ain't that ain't that ain't my thing. You know what I mean? I like to, I like to understand. I like to understand what I'm in there, what I'm doing while I'm in there. So, you know, um, yeah, I get comfortable and I get going. So, talk to me about being in the UFC so early on in your career, man. Because, like I said, you're only seven and zero. A lot of these guys get more experience, but obviously Dana felt like you showed the goods to be in there now, but. For someone who's had less than 10 pro fights, I assume you're going to be making huge leaps every single fight. So tell me about uh, being in the UFC this early. I mean, for me, to me, it's not early because I know my journey. I know what it took to get here. Like people say, like seven pro fights. I fought amateur. I've been fighting since 2010. You know what I'm saying? So those years before I went pro, I fought amateur. I fought the best amateurs around here. You know what I mean? A lot of times Michigan was was underground. You know, for a long time, we didn't have, like, really a commission here. It was wild here. You know, um, like, uh, you, you liable to show up and fight a dude who ain't even stepped on the scale. You know what I'm saying? So, it was what it was. I just came and I banged. I always was always good. And I was always dominated. So, you know, I just tried to transition that into the UFC, into the pro level. And as far as experience goes, I'm going to be honest, we actually going by time put in the gym and time spent working on our craft. I'm more experienced than a lot of dudes in the UFC. They just don't know it. So tell me a little bit about this Michigan regional scene, man, because I feel like it's booming. Obviously, lights out. They're doing good things. Uh, the guys I mentioned, Kenny Cross, Troy Lampson. Uh, you feel like there's a lot of bright up-and-comers uh, in Michigan? My God. Kenny Cross is my guy. That's my dude. Yeah, you just beat my boy Robert Hale. Yeah, man, you know, uh, it happens, but it's part of the business, you know. Kenny been grinding, you know, he's been working. He's starting to, uh, he's starting to put it together. He's starting to put it together nicely, real nice. Starting to form into the beast that you know, what I mean, everybody expected him to be. 
you know, obviously we we all we all can keep growing. We can all keep evolving. So I I mean I'm hoping that he keeps doing that. You know, but uh, yeah, bro, the regional scene here, like like I said, there was no there wasn't really a commission here, so there wasn't really like no regulations or anything. It was just dudes just meeting up and banging. You know what I'm saying? That was basically like what it was. So now that we actually starting to get the I mean, the guidelines and the in the way and the structure and everything and it's starting to come together and we starting to produce more, you're gonna see a lot of you're gonna see a lot of Michigan cats coming out of here just taking over. You know what I'm saying? We <laughs> we 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 hungry, man. We've been banging, we've been doing this for a long time, man. We want, want we want our we want our due, we want our respect, we want our money. So you feel like a lot of people are, are gonna sleep on you because uh, of this experience thing we've been talking about? Like, oh, according to you, man, you've been training for way longer than everyone knows, but they only see that seven and zero on paper. Yeah, they already are. You know what I mean? They only they see what one amateur fight. They already are. I mean, I've I've, I've had almost like what twenty fights. Like, I'm not, but I let people sleep. They can they can sleep. Whoever wants to sleep on me, they can sleep on them until the doctor wake them up. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. That's that's how I look at it. It's all right. The doc, somebody will be there to wake you up. I mean, or if you're unfortunate, Jesus will wake you up, you know. So, man, that UFC debut you took on Darko Stosic, and obviously he had already had a few fights in the octagon prior to that. What did it feel like uh, stepping your feet inside that UFC's octagon for the first time? I was, man, I was, I was just happy, bro. You know what I'm saying? It was just, I was, that's really what I, I just felt happy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm finally here. It was just the fact I'm finally here. All the all the moments and me sitting at home watching, playing it in my head, just passion just burning, just that in my gut, like yeah, I'm gonna be there one day. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that, it just it just all came into all came into that moment, and it was just time to put in work and have fun. And I did, I had fun. One thing that really stuck out to me in that fight, look, because I've known about your striking for a while. That's the first thing I brought up. But the thing that really stuck out to me was your get up game, man. I mean, the dude could not hold you down when he took you down. You pop right back up, so. I mean, uh, what kind of wrestlers are you working with uh, over there in Michigan? Oh, we got some. Oh, I got, I got my guys, man. I got solid. I got solid uh, ground, ground, uh, ground guys that I work with. I'm a jujitsu practitioner. I, I started training in jujitsu before I started. Before I even got with my striking coach. You know, what I mean, uh, jujitsu was my, that was my bread. I've been in, ten years into it. You know, um, people just. They just want to overlook that fact. You know, I understand what I'm doing on the ground. I understand where I am everywhere in a fight. You know, so I'm not I'm not really surprised. I'm not it's, it's hard to surprise me. The main thing where people get lost in fights, they get shocked, they get surprised, they get frustrated. They don't know how to think. That's not a problem for me. My bad. I just realized I ain't answered your question, but to answer your question, yeah, I work with some wrestlers. I got wrestlers that I work with. I work, you know, big dog, Brett, Brett Martin. That's my that's my bro. Um he comes in. I get work in with him. We got some wrestlers from uh that 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 just practice jujitsu that wrestled back in college and high school. I got some solid guys. What uh belt in jujitsu are you? What belt am I in jujitsu? I'm blue belt. Nice, me too. In I your, miss it so your... much though, bro. I miss it, man. It sucks not being able to train every day. The thing is though, the thing is like I, I'm a blue belt, but you got to think I got my blue belt after what six months. After six months of training, I just never tested to get another belt. I just been training because to me, honestly, belts and rankings don't really it don't really matter to me. You know what I'm saying? I I, I go in, I put the work in. My main thing for me is understanding, understanding the knowledge of it is, is the main thing for me. I don't need a belt to show to. You know what I mean, so but, you 
obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm rank up eventually, you know, whenever yeah. I feel like it or whatever. But it's not it's not a huge thing. I mean, so you've been mostly training nogi then? Mm-mm. I'm training both. Oh, okay, that's what's up, man. Respect, yeah. Love the gi, man. I hope that shit gets back to normal so we can get back to training, you know? So, man, one thing that people criticized you for, and I got to bring it up. I want your opinion on this. So, obviously, look, you're a very tall man, six foot four, got the 79-inch reach, southpaw striker, but a lot of people were saying he's got a bit of that tall man's defense. Now, what's your opinion on that? You know, exiting exchanges, maybe the chin's up in the air a little bit. Tell, tell me your take on this. Yeah, people say my people say my chance in the air. My chance in the air. I've had what? I've, like I said, I've had twenty fights. Why has nobody touched? Why has nobody touched? I'm not running from them. It's not like I'm not right there in the pocket with them. You know what I'm saying? Why has nobody touched? So you've heard that too. There's certain things. There's certain things about my. There's certain things about my about how I fight and my defense and, and like. How the system that that my striking system and my my coaches that we implemented in our game and the, and the way we understand the philosophies that people don't understand. Like a lot of people, like oh, Stokes Stokes keeps hitting Stokes. Go back and really watch that. Slow it down and look at look at and really look at where those punches land. Those punches weren't landing. They're not landing. I mean, I thought you clearly won the fight, and I'm not just saying that. I thought it was, I thought you picked the guy apart, but some people were. You know, I, I think people uh, get emotional when they pick one side and, you know, it plays out a different way and this and that. It is what right. it is, right? Yeah, everybody's going to get knocked out at the high level. All right, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like the thing about me, I, I evolved, like, like I'm never in a situation where I, where, where it's, it's going. I don't think I've ever, I'm going to be in a situation where it's too much, you know, because, bro, I, I, I prepare, I'm prep, I prep, I prep, I prep, and I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? To where I can be ready anywhere. So as the level goes up, you'll see, you'll see where my level really is. And it's it's a, it's a lot higher than people think it is. And people think it is. So are you someone that studies your division? Like if so, like are there some fights that you want down the line, like, or you just focus on yourself? Right, I was focused on only fight I've been focused on years is John Jones. You know what I'm saying? He been clean the house with everybody. If I'm focused on him, if I'm ready for him, who could be ready for me? You know what I'm saying? That's a great mindset. What what uh I mean, what do you think you could present to to the great John Jones? The guy's twenty eight and no. Yeah. I can present something that he's never seen. He's never fought anybody like me. My mind, it's hard for me to explain. Like, like it's hard for me to explain what what it is that really makes me good or how or the things that I'm really able to do because I don't really understand it myself. You know, it's just things that I'm just able to do. You know, um, it's a it's a it's a different animal. It's a different animal. Plus, I don't think he, I don't think anybody anybody in the 205 division in the world has the hand speed to keep up with me. Has my hands. Period. Endurance and endurance and my weight class. Nobody, nobody, nobody can keep up with that. So I heard in your post fight speech. Uh... With Laura Sanko, you mentioned uh, you got six kids. Uh, my boys uh, staying busy, so I mean, do any of them know uh, what their dad does? Yeah, they all know. I'm active in all my kids' life. They know. Hell yeah, man! Any of them playing sports already? Or are they still young, or what's the deal? My oldest, my oldest, my daughter. She played basketball. I was just at her. Her basketball season just ended. You know, she's uh she's into that. I mean, I'm gonna get to working with her. You know, that's something she want to be into. So. 
rock with that. My oldest son, he he plays baseball. He uh he's he's really he's really into baseball. So that's his thing, you know. Work with him. That's awesome, yeah. man. I don't I don't force I'm not gonna force nothing on. This whatever whatever they want to do or they want or they want to do. That's what we gonna do. We gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna figure out anything about it. I'm gonna know everything about it at that point. So a couple fan questions we got for you. So, is there anyone that you modeled your fighting style after? Yeah, yeah. We all the product of the greats that came before us. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I took a little from from everybody, from all the greats. You know, for me, if somebody's like, "Oh, I just want to be like this person," I'm like, "All right." If this person had a whole career like that, I mean, people got a whole career of game take the trip to study how it was originally done how you trying to copy to do it. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like you take from everywhere. You take a little bit from everywhere. Like, I learned a lot from Anderson Silva. I learned a lot from John Jones. You know what I'm saying? I've learned a lot from, like, from different from different areas of mixed martial, of martial arts. You know, Floyd, Lomachenko, Canelo. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Tyson Fury. You know what I mean? Why, even Wilder. You know what I mean? Like, certain just little things, even little tricks. It's like, I look at it like it's almost like a playbook. You know what I mean? You just stack your playbook. Another question the fans had for you is, uh, who is your favorite rapper? And has anyone told you that you resemble Juice? Who's Juice? Juice World? I'm honest. I didn't even know who he was until he passed away. Uh, a bunch of different people. And it's always random. That's funny as hell. <laughs> I told him, like, oh, this ain't Peru. Oh, really? You got that one, huh? That was weird me, you know what I'm saying? But hey, okay. That actually be an interesting oh. matchup. Is that is that a fight you'd like down the line? Bro, I like any fight that's gonna get me paid. It don't matter. I'm telling you, I'm here for everybody. I'm here for whoever wants it. Say say less, fam. So uh, another. That's thing. what I'm trying to do, bro. They keep asking. I'm saying as less as possible. I'm saying as little as possible, bro. <laughs> I got you. So I talk with D. Yeah. Hey. I respect it. So, look, one of the fans, uh, he said he didn't have a question, but he just wanted to give you a shout-out for cashing him a nice bet against Darko Stosic. So, you know, this is a betting show, so I'm just going to give you a thank you on a behalf of him. Maybe he'll send you a little tip uh, as a result, you know what I'm saying? But uh, So, man. Okay. Smart with your money. Way to be smart. Good investments. Good investments <laughs> yeah. make money. <laughs> Real talk. So, Warzone. I mean, we got to bring this up, man. I know you've been on that Xbox. I know Warzone came out free. You've been enjoying oh, yourself up. The fucking download. That shit today's the download. It just downloaded. I don't think I played it yet. Oh damn, you haven't played it yet, man. We're gonna have to break that in. It's uh, it's serious. Oh, man, no, no, no. What games you on these days? Uh, shit. Right now, I'm actually like that's why I forgot, bro. That's why I've been like scrambling all day. I'm uh, I'm actually put throwing together this online Madden league. I got like about like twenty around like twenty people right now. I'm trying to fill up a uh a whole a whole league so we can do that online while everybody quarantined. We're not doing nothing about this Madden league. Man. Who's your team? The Lions. The Lions is my team. Don't get me wrong. The Lions is my squad, but they they hold us on the rankings though. You know what I'm saying? So I had to go with the Rams. <laughs> That's funny as hell. You know, uh, that's the reason I still have Madden 18 because my Falcons are rated like 92 that I still haven't upgraded, you know. <laughs> got to keep it that way. <laughs> got to live in the moment. I know. We still got Sanu and uh, 
Hooper on the roster there. So, you know, I'm keeping it that way. I'm not getting 2020 yet until my team, uh, you know, uh, ranks up a little. What's up? They got some recovery to do. We all just got girly. Yeah, we did. We got girly, but we got rid of Devontae Freeman. We got rid of Sanu. Like, bro, we're fucking up. But girly's awesome. Bro, hold on. All right, now let's be real. Devontae Freeman played like six games this season. True. My man's don't stay healthy. I mean, y'all basically traded in for a bigger, bigger him. Hopefully, Gurley can stay healthy. I like Gurley. You know what I'm saying? But Sanu, y'all got him, what, halfway through the season? And man, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time to see the next, genera- next generation of weapons and stuff. Now Sanu you're right. I mean, I, I think I'm stuck in the past, man, because I remember those runs he used to have. And it kind of reminded me, like, back in the day, uh, you know, uh, Jamal Anderson, like the original Dirty Bird, uh, the kind of runs that dude yep. would have. So then seeing Devontae, I thought like that was the next, you know, the next version. And man, it's I just remember uh, him. He, me. I was a kid. He had the same name. I'm like, oh, his name's Jamal. My name's Jamal too. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So uh last but not least, this is my last question for you. So obviously, like I started off the show, we're all in this quarantine together, man. Uh on unprecedented times, we've never been through anything like this before. What kind of recommendations would you give the fans at home, you know, that are looking for something new, looking for answers? Man, I man, I, best thing you can do right now, man, just stay away from people, man. Stay safe. Stay in your home. You know, uh, find find things to do at home. Like me, I'm playing, I'm starting video games. Video games, uh, chatting with people online, you know what I mean? Start a podcast. Whatever you whatever you gotta do to just kill time while while you know what I mean we weather the storm through through everything that's going on. Everybody gotta do their part. This it don't stop with everybody without everybody doing their part to 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 make it stop. You can point the fingers, we can figure out what happened, what went wrong later and all of that, you know. But for right now we just need to we need to we need to we need to head off this enemy first. I mean together. Well said, it's man. The biggest thing. Well, Jamal, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure. Hope to have you back soon. The fans can follow you at Jamal H on Twitter. And uh, any message for them before we let you go? Follow me on uh, follow me on Instagram, sweet underscore dreams underscore J Hill on uh, on Instagram. Um, yeah, you know I'm a I got a, I got a lot of things I'm gonna work on. You know, try to do my part. You know, get, share my personality. Get that out there on camera, you know, some content out there. Keep people entertained. Whatever I can to try to keep people entertained, man. Well, Jamal, I sincerely appreciate the time, and I wish you nothing but the best, man. Oh, yeah, you too, brother. You have you have a great day. Uh, stay safe. That's uh, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill here live on Half the Battle. And that's exactly what I was talking about in the intro. I mean, this is a guy that he truly believes that he has the fastest hands at 205 pounds. He believes that he can be the guy to dethrone the great John Jones. That's what I love about these undefeated prospects. I mean, they bring that energy, that confidence, and they really think that they have a fighting style that no one's ever seen before. So I can't wait to see how Jamal Hill's career progresses and uh, how far he takes this thing, man. He sounds determined. Well, now we got to hit up James the Texecutioner, Vic. Joining me now is longtime friend of the show, James Vic. James, it's been a while, man. Welcome back to Half the Battle. What's up, man? Glad to be So I don't have good in the country, and I don't have good service. I don't have Wi-Fi. So I drove to the edge of this little small town, and um, uh, hopefully the internet will work. Yeah, we're going to make it happen, man. So, all right, let's start from the beginning. So, dude, you, uh, you go to Thailand. You want to work on a couple things on your game. 
And then this fucking pandemic hits out of nowhere. And uh, you got the girl and your son at home, but you couldn't just fly back and be with them. You had to put yourself in a self-quarantine. So I got to hear about this, man, because I know you're hunting your own food. You're you're doing the whole bit, man. You're you're surviving like the real country way. So tell us a bit about this self-quarantine, man. Well, um, it's it's a long story. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm sort of, I have some good technology, I have some good good, good equipment and stuff, so that makes stuff easier. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I was I left to go to Thailand. The, the Corona had just started happening, but it didn't seem to be like it was going to be. It didn't seem like it was going to be that serious. So I left. I went to Thailand because I, I didn't want to cancel my flight that I already paid for and everything. So I left. I go over there. I trained for uh, three weeks. I was supposed to stay uh, four weeks, and then. I was getting scared that they weren't going to let me back in the country like at all, that I was going to be stuck in Thailand. And then the deciding factor was um, they, they, they closed the gyms down. So I was like, well, if I can't train, there's no point in staying here. So I immediately got a flight back. I came home on, I left Thailand on a Sunday. I got back here Monday and um, my girl had everything in the garage. She had told me, Hey, you might, Thailand has really low cases of Corona, but I had to travel through five airports to get here. And America just seems like they're they're. I think maybe maybe the CDC and everyone is not telling people, or now it seems like they are the last few days about wearing masks and stuff like that. It wasn't that it's serious because I think because we're just wait we just have a shortage of masks and stuff like in Thailand in Asia in general they have a lot of pollution so people wear a mask there all the time even when there's not a pandemic they they wear masks all the time so it's it's kind of common to to you know to get picked up by a cab driver or something like that that's wearing a mask even 2 years ago a year ago when I went or whenever you know so um uh, 6 months ago when I went even um so when I got here I was I was surprised so I flew through five different airports and I had a mask on and I had um uh, I wore sanitizer in my pocket. I was as cautious as, as could be. So when I got, I got an email when I changed my flight. I got an email saying that I needed to. Um, that basically in Thailand, uh, when you go to the airport, you had to have a mask, and if you didn't have a mask, they weren't going to let you in the airport. Basically, so um, I was really shocked when I finally flew. So I flew to L.A. I flew from Thailand to Taiwan, Taiwan to L.A., L.A. to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Texas. And I was shocked that in none of those airports in, in America, L.A., Minneapolis, or Dallas, no one had masks, no one had gloves, no one had nothing. I was like, what the hell? Um, so I think it's maybe the, the government kind of told us that just because they didn't want to scare people knowing that we, we just weren't ready with masks and stuff like that um, because everybody in Asia already had the mask and stuff. It, it, wasn't, it's, it wasn't hard to get them the way it is here. Um, but my girl had told me, you know, Hey, maybe you should quarantine yourself just because I went through so many airports with germs and stuff. But, um, looking back on it now, um, maybe didn't necessarily have to do it, but I mean, I still think it was smart, but the thing is, is, um, there wasn't a lot of people traveling when I came back, the international air, the international flight was freaking way empty. The flight from LA to Minneapolis was dead. The flight from Dallas to that. I mean, there was, there was, there was freaking literally like from, from Minneapolis to Dallas, there was like 20 people on the plane. So there, there wasn't anywhere near as many germs as normal, but just because there wasn't many people, you know, um, that doesn't mean it couldn't have been there from a week or two before when, when they, when the airlines were busy, but, uh, my girl had my stuff in the garage and, uh, I came, I, uh, grabbed my stuff out of the garage and I took off to the country and, uh, stayed out here in my buddy's camper, just hunting and fishing for the last basically almost two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. 
So, man, five airports. Uh, I assume that's not the normal routine when you go to Thailand, right? This is a one-time thing or what? No, it's normally about three airports to get there. Uh, yeah, it's it, that, that, well, I was supposed to fly to the Middle East, and they wouldn't accept they wouldn't accept my uh, me, me coming from Thailand, which I don't understand because Thailand has very low cases, or, or I don't know about now, but when I when I came when I came here, they they, they had very low cases. But it's just um, they're a third world country in the Middle East. You know, the Philippines the same. Um, all those those third world Asian countries that the Middle East wouldn't, wouldn't allow any, any, any uh, planes from there to come. So that's why I had to go to Taiwan and then from there to LA. So she left your stuff in the garage. Was that all like, cause I know you're looking forward to come home, see your son, you know, chill at your house, which you haven't been in for a long time, but then you get there, your stuff's in the garage. Was it like, well, I mean, what, what was that experience like? Firstly, cause I know you were expecting to probably stay home for a little bit. It was, you know, it's bittersweet because of course I want to see my kid. I want to see my girl. I saw her, but we never like, I saw her and I talked to her, but we never got within like 10 foot of each other. And then my son, she put him in the room so he wouldn't see me because I knew if he saw me or I saw him, you know, I might not, not go anywhere. So, uh, I just, uh, I talked to her briefly. We, we did no physical contact, never got within like 10, 15 foot of each other. I mean, it, so that, you know, it definitely sucked from that aspect, but yeah, and then it was fun too, you know, because I knew I was about to get to go hunting for fishing for two weeks, you know, being an outdoorsman. I'm like, I'm, you know, that's always a, a fun time to do right now. Um, uh, it's, this is a good time of year to hunt in Texas, um, turkey season, wild pigs all the time. Fish are biting really good right now. So, um, that's always good. So it, it, it was, you know, bittersweet. It was uh, fun. I'm about to get to go have some fun and do do what I love, but also I want to see my family, you know. So we'll get to the hunting and fishing in a sec. But uh, first, how, how was the time in Thailand, man? You get to work on some good things? Yeah, it was good. It's always good, man. That's my fifth time in Thailand, and that's my second time at the uh, Fair, Fairtex Training Center. So my, my boy, my teammate, DJ Jackson, he's um, a, a two-time no-gi black belt world champion. He's the head MMA coach at Fairtex now. Um, and he's been my teammate for seven, eight years now, basically seven years now I've been training there. So he's been my teammate there. So he's like a brother to me. So it's, it's, it was good to go over there and train with him. And, um, uh, just, just always, always a good experience. You know, it was, such, I was, I was the plan was to go, was to go stay for a month, train by the time I came back, have something ready, lined up to try to try to fight. And then, you know, pretty much. I don't think I don't honestly from the way things are looking, maybe, you know, the UFC can pull off that uh, that Tony Ferguson card on the 18th. I mean, I don't know who he's going to be fighting now. Maybe they can pull that off somehow. But as a whole, honestly, it's getting scary to the point there might not be any fights the rest of the year. Like none. I mean, I mean, they canceled the Olympics when you're canceling the biggest sporting event in in the history of the world that, you know, that's a fucking problem, you know. So it's it's there's a possibility of uh of of no sporting events for the rest of the year so I'm, I'm looking at some different things yeah you made some good investments i know you've always been frugal with your money um well i i, I had some i had some investments going and and uh, i kind of had to walk away from them it was it was a it was a messed up deal um uh i was a part partner in this business and, and my business partner died who was, was one of my best friends and he, he passed away um uh he was an older guy and he passed away so i had to walk away from that and then um uh good thing is you know i'm not I'm not where I want to be financially, obviously, but no one ever is. Good thing is I have some money saved and I basically, I, I pretty much own my own house and both of my vehicles. I owe a little bit on one vehicle and a little bit left on my house, but not enough that, that I couldn't make it through all this with the money I have saved, you know? So 
I'm in a good position right now, but I mean, obviously you, you, you want better, you know, you always, it's always about getting, you know, doing more, getting, getting better, making more money, having more freedom and stuff like that. But I mean, like the whole Thailand trip, you know, that cost me some money, you know, there and back I had to change my flight, pay more money for, for a plane ticket back home. And, you know, so I spent all that money in the hopes that I was going to get the fight at the, at the end of this, but that's not happening. But I, I, you know, I've been pretty smart with my money. That's good, man. Cause, uh, my dad always said, uh, you're only a millionaire if you have a million bucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you earned it once, but you blew it all, then you're not a millionaire. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure, man. And, and people, um, uh, uh, people oftentimes, and, and I've been guilty of this, everyone has, especially like, oh, you think, oh, you're going to have a fight coming up. Oh, you think you're going to win your fights. So then you, you, you already count the win money. And then you end up losing or you end up not fighting at all. So you're counting money you don't even have and stuff like that. So, you know, everyone's got caught up in that at some point, you know. So um, uh, you got to I, 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 I feel like I did a good job of preparing myself for this um, uh, for this whole whole thing, because I mean, I can't hunt and fish. God forbid if something happens and it gets worse, you know, I can survive in the country and stuff like that. And then um. So I listen to there's a business guy that has one of the was it one of the, the probably the most popular uh, business channels on YouTube. It's called Valuetainment. His name is Patrick Bat David, and he always talks about stuff like this. He calls it a black swan, like something that no one could have predicted, and how prepared you are for it and stuff. And I feel like I'm pretty prepared. I'm uh, as far as I'm financially kind of safe for a little bit for a while. I'm, uh, I have everything decked out of my garage. I have two grappling dummies in my garage. I have three bags in my garage so I can still practice. I have access to a gym where I can go practice at the gym with no one, you know, no one there. I possibly even have a coach training one-on-one -on -one still. Um, uh, so I have, you know, I have, I have everything covered, you know, uh, as best I can during this, uh, what he calls a black swan, you know? So I got this guy's mowing grass over here. I'm, I'm at this park and the guy's mowing grass. So let me roll the window. Nice. So, uh, Hunting and fishing, man, I know those are two of your passions. And for everyone watching at home, you know, Vic isn't the guy who trophy hunts and, you know, does all that shit that y'all hate on. He fucking eats the food that he kills. That's This is very important because I know these guys, they all will eat pepperoni on their pizza. They'll all order a steak at the restaurant, but then they see you killing the animals and, and they give you a bunch of shit. But you're out here stocking up meat for months at a time in your freezer. And I respect that, man. So how's that been during these times of, of survival almost, uh, killing your own food and just uh, being prepared? You know you don't have to wait in some big-ass line at the supermarket because you get all your food yourself. Oh, it's good. It's good. I'm, 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 I, uh, I like to consider myself, you know, a big outdoorsman. I'm not, I'm not on Chad Mendez's level. You know, he's, he's the, he's the MMA, the, the MMA goat of outdoorsmanship. Chad Mendez is probably the best at it for sure. Cause he can hunt, you know, bigger game than me. And, and he, you know, he's been all over the United States and the world hunting. And I'm mostly have hunted just in Texas growing up and stuff. But, um, this week, so I've been, I've been here a, what, a little over a week and a half and I've, uh, I've got, uh, three pigs i've shot three pigs i've caught um uh seven fish um so i've you know i've i've uh, uh i've eaten a lot of pork a lot of a lot of fish um i uh of course i brought stuff too i brought ramen noodles i brought you know um uh different canned chili canned beans stuff like that um but just uh it is a blessing. I have, a, I have a whole freezer full of stuff back home too. That, you know that I haven't touched or anything that's um, that can last a while as well too. I mean, I don't expect any of that to happen anytime soon. But I mean, it's you know better safe than sorry. You know, it's 
it's funny because I, I grew up, we used to make fun of my dad a lot and I know that he's going crazy. I haven't, I've talked to him on the phone, but I haven't got to see him since I've came back, but I hit my dad. So my dad, you know, I don't know if uh, I've mentioned this on your show, but I think I've mentioned it before somewhere in an interview. My dad's kind of crazy. You know, he's, he was in the mental hospital before for paranoid schizophrenia, but he just happened to be an outdoorsman. So like we, re- we literally grew, grew up ready for this type of shit to happen because uh, my dad basically taught, um, taught us how to hunt and fish since we were little kids and, um, and li- basically live off the land and stuff. And uh, uh, so he was paranoid and crazy and always believed in these conspiracy theories like this, but he, uh, uh, prepared us for it so you mentioned all the meat you've been eating you've been getting any uh veggies and fruit in too or no yeah so i i my, my girl had had bought a bunch of stuff from the store for me um uh she got um apples oranges bananas um uh so i've been eating all that not a lot of fruit honestly um i mean not a lot of vegetables honestly uh uh mostly just beans and noodles and stuff like that that i've been mixing with my food but i'm um, uh but yeah, uh, apples, oranges, uh, bananas, stuff like that is what I've been eating for fruits. Where you been sleeping, man? Like in a tent? You got a cot? Like what's the deal? No, so my buddy has a big, uh, a big camper out, out there, but it's like an old school one. Like it's probably like, probably made in like the '80s or something. It's old. Um, uh, so it's it's there's no heat in it. Um, a, a little bit of light. One of the lights does work. So no heat in it. No um uh no air conditioning. It's uh. It's been it's been okay because I'm just fortunate it's not winter and it's not summer so it's it's you know spring so it's been a little cold at nighttime sometimes still but as a whole it's been pretty pretty peaceful to stay in there it's not not too bad. So what kind of guns uh you liking these days? You you playing with any new toys? Well, I got I got a, I got several guns. Um, uh, I got you know obviously I, I so I grew up only hunting bolt action rifles, but I, in the last like three years I started I got it big into AR-15s. So I have about I don't know four or five ARs, maybe more. But I've been using my 270. Uh, so it's just a regular bolt action 270. Uh, uh, but I have a suppressor on it, so it's um, way quieter. Um, you, you're able to suppress hunting with a suppressor. You know people what they call a silencer. Um, uh, and it doesn't sound, this isn't the James Bond movies where people shooting, it sounds like a damn pellet gun where it's like, and the shots just, you know, it's still loud, but it's, it's, it really just, the only thing it does is protect your ears. Um, but it also, um, helps, uh, you be able to get more than one kill because when you shoot, uh, like a pig with the suppressor. So in Texas, there's no season and there's no limit for pigs. You can shoot literally if you wanted to, they're, they're an invasive species and they kill, millions of dollars worth of cry, crops every year for farmers and um the population is so bad and where i live in north texas has, has the most pro- probably the biggest hog population in the entire uh united states like literally if you wanted to you could kill five thousand in one day there's no li- no season no limit you can hunt year round that's why i hunt pigs so much versus i mean yes i hunt deer i hunt turkeys and stuff but those all have seasons the, uh, pigs and coyotes have no season so i just kill kill as many as i can you know and i eat a lot of the pig um pretty much all of it. I either eat all of it or I give it to, you know, I'm the youngest of six kids. So I, you know, I have a family and stuff, a big family. So they all eat the meat. People with the gyms I train at like the meat as well. But, uh, with, with that, with the AR 15, you know, you can get, um, uh, you can shoot, you know, you got 30 round clip, you can shoot a lot of pigs and you can get, uh, with the suppressor, what happens is when you put the suppressor on it, it quiets the shot, but it also confuses the pig where they don't know where the shot is coming from. So you could be in front of them and, you know, especially with the night vision I have as well. Um, uh, but even, even 
even in the daytime, it doesn't matter, but I have, you know, night vision, they can't see you. They can't really see you in the daytime if you're, you're hitting with good spots and you can shoot and they may only run 30 yards and stop again because they don't know where the shot came from. And it's not that loud. So that's why I, I like it. You know, I've been hunting a lot of AR with, with suppressor on it. You, uh, what kind of camouflage gear you wear? And you ain't like painting your face or anything like that, right? No, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a, a movies. I got this cheap little pair of pants right here. I got this little hog hunting shirt. I'm going to have some, uh, some other stuff. This here, um, this one, just, just, just any cheap stuff you can buy at Walmart or, um, I have one, one company that sponsors me called Rocky, Rocky Boots. They're, they're actually a boot company, but they have a lot of camo that's pretty, pretty legit. Actually, it's, it's really good because it's lightweight and it's, um, uh, uh it's kind of good for this time of year as well. Um, and they, they can send me some boots and some, a couple suits and stuff. And those are really good. I've been wearing those a lot as well. How's that night vision, man? Cause it obviously sounds badass. You, you see it in the video games, but I see it on your IG story in real life. Do you prefer using that or do you prefer it in the day? What, tell me about it. You know, I grew up only hunting in the daytime or nighttime. We would spot, we would, you know, shine the spotlight or, or shine a light at the pigs and stuff. But, uh, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I did, never started getting into it and the night vision hunting until about two and a half years ago when I hooked up with a company. I went to a hunter's extravaganza event um, in, uh, here, there in, here in Fort Worth, Texas, where, where I live. And um, I got hooked up with Pulsar, which is like a thermal imaging company. And um, they're one of the major four in the United States that, that, that there's like basically four different uh, uh, companies that have a big, big name for thermal imaging. And it seeing the bodies and stuff has never hunted a thermal hunted, especially if they play video games, they would think, Oh my god, this is the coolest, coolest shit I ever did in my life. Like when you get up there, like some of these some of these scopes, you can press the buttons and you can change the, the, the modes where the pig will, will look like fire orange, like bright, like like he's like 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 in the predator movie, seeing the bodies and stuff and like it's it's pretty legit. Like a thermal? Yes. The thermal where you can change the, you can change it to where the, the animal's white, you can change it where the animal's black. There's some of the scopes have where you can change it to many different colors, and um, it's just it's just it, you can zoom in. It, um, you know, you can be hundred yards away, you can zoom in and get it closer. And the thing with the, the zooming in is it makes the animal more blurry. But as long as you know it's a pig before you shoot, you know you're safe to go. But it, it's um, uh, at nighttime with that thing, you can get up so close. I mean, you can literally walk within 20, 20 yards of a pig if, if you if you if you're quiet and do it right because they can only sense you. They're, they're really good. They have they have like a vicious um, vicious nose and, a, and a, a smell, but they um they can only sense you. You know, so the the wind has to be in your side. So if the wind is blowing in your face, which is again which is against them, and they're standing, you know, if it's blowing in your face and they're standing fifty yards away, you can just walk around right up on them and then. You have an AR, and you can start spraying, and you can probably get three or four at one time if you're a good shot, you know. So it, it's it's pretty um it, it's pretty fun, man. It's it's like it's like a video game for a grown man. It's it's pretty legit. So I'm curious about the butchering process and the cleaning process, because for like a rookie like me, I probably feel like my first couple times it might be a little gross, but then you get used to it, like it's no big deal. So to you, I mean, cutting them up, taking that meat out, cleaning them, it's no big deal. What's the process like? Um, a lot of the pigs, I just field dress them, which, which means basically I just clean them on the ground. Like 
with 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 pigs it, and that's only because i shoot so many of them if i was only getting one or two a year then i would hang them up and i, I would peel them all the way down basically from the legs all the way down to the neck peel the skin down and i would cut the ribs out and get everything but i shoot so many i mostly just um cut the back straps out and the, 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 the hind legs where like the ass cheek is and then the front shoulders there's a lot of meat on there and then i don't even cut the ribs or any of that out because it's just a lot, lot of work when you when you're killing so many of them um but it's it's an easy process. I, I've posted on my Instagram before uh, videos of me doing it. I'll post another one soon because I've been doing this little video uh, documentary of me just me being out here for like ten or eleven days now, and um, people keep asking me to to post a video of how I process them. And I and I've already did it a while back. I guess I'll, I'll post another one. Um, uh, but yeah, it's 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 not that bad. It's because they really don't unless you you go you hit a spot where you're where you've shot the animal like say you shot it behind the front shoulder trying to hit it in the heart and there's blood besides that there's not a lot of blood involved like when you cut into it the meat's pretty clean on the inside and everything unless you hit like a blood pocket where close to where the, the shot was or whatever besides that it's it's really easy to cut the meat it's, it's not bad at all besides the, the, the skin is really thick so you have to have a good knife to 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 initially cut into it because hogs are really tough they're probably the toughest animal to to, to clean What's your favorite cut, man? You like the tenderloin? Like, what, what what do you like best? It just depends. I like I like yeah I like the I like the the ass cheeks because I uh, uh we, me and my girl we either um she she puts like she put them in the crock pot and she'll pour liquid smoke in there. She so my girl's from Hawaii, so like in Hawaii they cook them under the ground with like banana leaves and what's called kalua pig. I'm sure you, you know everyone you know has had that in a Hawaiian restaurant and we she makes like a homemade version where with the crock pot with soy sauce liquid smoke and some other seasonings and it ends up tasting really good and then I also have a grinder um, where I grind the meat up and then I'll, I'll put taco seasoning in it and make tacos and stuff like that so man you've had like some time off since your last fight and you're probably gonna have some more time off so you've had time to reflect on what's going on you know what kind of adjustments you need to make so I mean what's uh what's your overall assessment on what you need to do next to, to potentially get back on track you know um last last fight I felt like I, I I did a lot and then I get caught with a fucking up kick man and it sucked because I worked really hard on pro- progressing some stuff I found someone that could really help me with my problems you know um uh, obviously my problems have been the hands up and the, the chin in the air you know and I just did an interview with um uh, uh, I mean the hands down chin in the air and I just did an interview with MMA junkie and they, they, you know, they posted part of what I said or whatever, that, you know, and then people were on there like, oh, well, well, of course, uh, you know, you should know that that's day one boxing, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say that when, first of all, the first coach I ever had was a shit coach, you know, and I stayed loyal to this man for 12 years and we ended up having a falling out. Um, basically, his doing, not mine. Um, he chose to stop talking to me. Um, and after I stayed loyal to this dude who... It's easy to say that, um, I mean, I lived with this guy, you know, uh, he was my, he was like a second father figure to me. So it's, it's hard to walk away from that, even though, you know, in your mind, you're not getting good proper coaching, but it's also when you stay with someone, you train with someone three or four years. And before you, before I, I realized, you know, Hey, I need to go on. And then even when I would come home, I would still train with him. Um, the thing is, is it's easy to say that, that, Oh, 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 you should know that that's day one. First of all, everybody don't teach that shit right in day one. If that was the case, everybody would, nobody would have technical issues if it was that fucking easy. But also, um, when I was winning fights, I mean, I, I won two Golden Glove championships. I was seventeen and three as an amateur boxer. I made it to the finals of the state tournament, in the open division in Texas. I almost, almost got to compete at the national 
professionals with only a fucking year and a half of boxing experience in the open division. Um, all with shit technique, but I was winning. So it's hard that you don't know what you don't know. So it's hard for someone to tell you, oh, your coach isn't correct in your problems when you're fucking still beating everyone, you know? So then realistically, I never had to pay for these issues until I got to a top 10 fighter. And, you know, my coach, Master Lord Irvin, was telling me the whole time, he's like, you know, hey, when you get to the top level, someone's going to make you pay for this shit. And it's not, it wasn't that I didn't believe him. He said, you know, I do, because I, I believe, you know, I know he knows what he's talking about. But I said, um, uh, you know, he's like, you need to make sure you have a boxing coach back home. Well, I did have a boxing coach when I was back home in Texas, but it was just the one that fucking that I'd been loyal to that wasn't correcting my fucking technique. You know what I mean? And another guy that and just because I know there's several coaches I've worked with that are like I've worked with a lot of coaches and so many of them are phenomenal coaches. Right. And if they got someone from the ground up and trained them, that person would have phenomenal technique. But it's a lot easier to fix to train someone from the ground up than it is get someone after five years of training bad and then trying to fix those problems. And that's kind of where I've been at the last few years is I I, I was training with people that I know that if I had started with them, they would have fixed my problems. But they, or, or I would have never had those problems to begin with. They would have, you know, because I've seen people that they've coached from the beginning ground up that, that do do have phenomenal technique. But at the same time, there's also um, uh, uh, these people also weren't able to fix my problems. You know what I mean? So I found one guy I worked with um, that probably fixed them more than anyone was my friend Dorian Price. And Dorian, um, Dorian's coach, Matt Brown, he um, did camps with Stipe before. He was in the Ultimate Fighter back in the day. He has um, uh, over 80 professional Muay Thai fights. Um, he lived he lived in Thailand off and on now for over 10 years. He's lived in Holland for a couple years. Um, uh, and I went to him and, you know, he's a real tall, skinny guy like me, similar body type. And, and, and you know, after that Dan Hooker loss, it was 100 percent technical. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here exchanging left hooks in the middle of the fucking cage with someone who's known for their left hook and my hands his hands are up he moves his head off center line perfect and i'm throwing a left hook with my hand down at my waist my right hand down at my waist you know and just getting caught in the middle of the exchange with just horrible technique and after that i was like you know what that's when i decided to go to thailand and train with dorian again because before i trained with him for like one week but um you know i told him i was like hey can you fix this man i need i need this bad and i i'm not exaggerating when i say well he showed me a couple of drills that really no one else has ever showed me and then once i uh did those drills, you know, when I came back, I continued to do them. I've continued to do them with, with one of the guys I have here that, that my karate coach that, that actually coaches kickboxing some too. And he, he'll hold pads for me anyway. I ask him to, if I say, Hey, I want to try this. He'll, he'll, he'll let me try it. Um, a lot of coaches aren't open like that. You know, when you tell them, Oh, Hey, I learned this from Dory and I want to try it. They get offended almost, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's always, a. uh, you got to find someone, you know, that, that's willing to let you be you, you know. Um, the thing is, is it sucked because I felt like I made major progress. I was there with Dorian for 30 days for a whole month. And just every I, when I'm not exaggerating, when I say he slapped me with the pads every five seconds, the, the whole time we were I mean, we do pad work, an hour, hour and a half a day. And a lot of coaches, you know, they're 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 real negative on pad work. Oh, oh fighters only want pad work, this and that. Um the, I, I agree that you need other things. The thing is, is I did all those other things and they haven't, and I did pad work too, obviously, but they didn't fix my problems. But I really feel like I've made significant progress in keeping my hands up. And, um, uh, and it sucks. I didn't get to show that when I fought Nico Price because I got caught with a fucking up kick. 
and, and I was I was so ready to display that that, that I did. and of course at that point it had only been you know five or six weeks of me doing those drills so maybe it wasn't up to par where I wanted to be where it is now but I know that I had made significant progress and I really it sucks I didn't get to show that you know with keeping my hands up my chin down and I'm uh. Like I said, to me, my losses besides that last one, you know, which, you know, what can you say? You know, you go with a fucking up kick, but um, they've all been technical, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And the good news is now you got plenty of time to work on that before your next fight. But it also makes sense because, look, you went nine and one in the deepest weight class in the entire sport, right? You had a 90 percent win rate at one point, make it to the top 10. But those guys are going to be able to capitalize on those issues. So now I feel like you're at a point where, dude, you've earned a tune-up bro like you've earned a john mac desi you've earned a clay guida what's it gonna take for you to get a matchup like that in the ufc i i don't know i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see what happens um uh, uh i mean we'll see what happens i don't know if we'll see if i'm even gonna be in the ufc after all this is is up and done so my contract ran up um and i talked to sean shelby a few times and everything but I, you, like i said you never know i mean as far as this whole this whole damn everything is canceled i mean i literally don't expect there to be a fight until minimum i'm talking like october until after the summer you know what i mean but um i don't expect there to be any fight cards in any organization so um we'll see what happens um i, I don't know but i mean i'm not you know I, honestly i'm not concerned about fucking like i said i'm not concerned about the opponent I'm, i've never lost a besides getting caught with one up kick i've literally never lost to anybody that wasn't a top 10 fighter Everyone that's ever beat me became a top 10 fighter or was. Kiesa, Darius, Dan Hooker, Gaethje, all of these guys, um, Felder. I've never lost to anybody that wasn't a top 10 guy. So for people to say, oh, you don't belong in the UFC, that's just a joke to me. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you want to say, okay, I don't belong in the top 10, well, absolutely. I, I haven't proved that I have. So maybe you're right. I haven't proved that. But to say I don't belong in the UFC is just a fucking joke. You know what I'm saying? But – I get it because it's a rough position for the UFC because if I'm not going to get my shit together and beat these top 10 guys, then what am I going to do? Just keep picking off their fucking up and coming prospects and and stopping them from getting in the top 10. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a rough one, you know? So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I I don't know. Um, You know, I'm just thinking about, you know, my life in the next couple months. I'm thinking about short term, spending time with my kid, you know, progressing the things I need to progress and learning some other skill sets, you know, because I think this is probably an eye opener for a lot of fighters. You know, when you, when you go from making thousands of dollars last year to a possibility of no income because you can't can't fight at all, then then you know you know you got to look at some other options too. I mean, it's not just for fighters. I mean, for professional betters, for other for sure. athletes, like whatever the yeah. case may be, you know. Got to switch things up, but definitely professional athletes. But back to your point, because you were saying, okay, if they say you don't belong in the UFC, that's bullshit. And I I agree, because like I said, they give you a Clay Guida, they give you a Jim Miller, a John McDessey. We're getting those wins. Last win was against Trinaldo. But that being said, are are you convinced that they would just try to only match you up against uh, those prospects now? Or do you think that you could get kind of an older guy on his way out? I don't know because my name is, is still decently out there, you know, um, to the point that I, I mean, the, the only way I would, yeah, I, I, I don't know how that works. I mean, I, honestly, I don't give a fuck. I've never turned down a fight. I ain't afraid of nobody. I've never, I mean, I don't give a fuck who, who they give me to fight. You know what I'm saying? I, I really don't. Uh, uh, 
155 or 170. You know, I, I believe him with all my heart. I could still make 55 if I wanted to, too. You know, I've never missed fucking weight. I've always cheated the, the diet, you know. Um, uh, but, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't really give a fuck who they give, who they give me. You know, um, I really don't. Uh, I don't I don't you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I want to fucking tune up or whatever, because um, I mean, everybody in the UFC is good. You know, I mean, everybody's not great in the UFC, but everybody is good in the UFC in the UFC or they wouldn't be there. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I doubt that I'm going to be getting a fucking Diego Sanchez matchup, you know what I mean? Or a fucking, um, uh, you know, some of these other guys, you know, it's just, it's, it's unlikely, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if they threw you a nice little John McDessie bone, get you a nice win, but get you back on track. But, uh, so l- let me talk to you about this. Cause dude, your, your mindset is the reason you got to the top 10. I mean, w- when you were on the ultimate fighter, people weren't saying that James Vick was going to get to the top 10, right? Like people were like, Oh, this guy won't pan out in the UFC. But then you went on a nine and one run, had the 90% win rate made it to the top 10. But now that, you know, you're on, you went from the best streak of your career. Now you're on the worst streak of your career, but you're still a confident guy. How have you kind of stayed positive throughout these times? You know, um, uh, uh, so much of this is mental, and I and I really do feel like I'm I'm one of the most mentally strong people to ever be in the UFC. I really believe that. Um, I started this this fight game ten years later than most people. I mean, like I fought Paul Felder and I lost a, a really close decision, like super close decision. That dude has literally been training for ten years longer than I have. Um, same thing with Gaethje. You know, the dude's been. You know, people can say, oh, well, well, this person didn't start MMA until they were 22 or whatever. Well, first of all, I didn't start MMA until I was fucking 22. But also, you had 15 years of wrestling. That is training. I didn't have any of that. I didn't start boxing until I was 20 years old. Um, and then I've also had four major surgeries in this time period. I didn't start boxing until I was 22 years old. I didn't start jiu-jitsu and grappling until I was 22. Um, so I've, I've, I've beat a lot of people, you know, and I'm tall, so that helps. But I'm not super fast. I'm not super athletic. I'm, I'm a decent athlete. I'm decently quick. I'm decent, you know, but I'm not, you know, fucking, you know, freak of nature, you know, fucking, I'm just tall, you know what I'm saying? So that's helped. And just being mentally, you know, being mentally strong. Um, uh, I, I definitely believe that, um, you know, I, I, a lot of st- thoughts have went through my head in this last, you know, year and a half or so, because I feel like I've kind of not, um, I've kind of lost my passion a little bit for fighting. Like it's definitely taking a back scene and it's not, um, it's not, um, the number one priority in my life anymore. And, um, so that's kind of fucked with me thinking that that's, you know, um, had, a, uh, had a factor in me losing fights, but, um, at the same time, I've never not trained. I've always fucking put in the work. I've always, I know what I have to do to win. And I've always did that. Um, it was, to me, it was still a hundred percent technical issues. So I have a buddy that is, uh, as a psychologist um and he's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu and he's a really good friend of mine we were talking and you know he was like he was saying you know i was like man you know fighting it's just not as exciting anymore like even like walking out like last night walking out to the cage you know i could tell that and maybe because he was in his hometown as well and everything but even when i fought dan hooker in, in my home state you know but last night i could tell nico price he was just more excited to be there like I'm, I'm not nervous. I wish I could be nervous. Like I, I try to put more nerves on myself, so maybe I would, it would bring some of that excitement back. But it's kind of like a, a, it's basically like fucking walk in the park now. As far as like, there's, it's just, it's normal. It's normal now to go out there. It's not that excitement and adrenaline rush is not there even like it used to be. You know. Um, that being said, it's still better than anything I would rather want to do. I would rather do. You know, I wouldn't rather do anything than this. 
as far as I have to work, you know. And um, and still, when I go to practice, no matter what type of stress I'm under or anything like that, it takes my mind. I don't think about that while I'm training. I think about training. You know? So that's that's very good. And um, uh, my my buddy was my psychologist buddy was telling me he was like, you know, you have to think about something. Um, uh, correlation is not causation. He's like, just because you've you've lost some of your passion for fighting and it's not the number one priority, you know, having a kid, you know, that that changed things. You know, now my son and I, I don't want to fight since my son's been. And it's not that I'm more, under more stress or, you know, I've set myself up financially. I made sure I had money saved when I had a kid. I did everything as best I could, you know. It's just, um, uh, he said, you know, um, correlation is not causation just because you're not as passionate as you once you once were you can be as passionate as you want to be if you go out there swinging with your fucking hands down in your chin there you're still gonna lose you're just that passionate you are you know so it's um if you back up on the cage like gaichi did me back me up on the cage you know and drop my fucking hand you know no matter how passionate you are that's not going to solve that issue you know it's still a technical thing and so just because you're feeling that way that that's not the cause of it is what he's telling me which, which made a lot of sense you know so, um, I mean, that being said, I still, I still train hard. I still train harder than pretty much everybody I know. I know what I have to do, and, and I do still enjoy practice, you know. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you never enjoy everything about practice, but I still have fun, you know, and, and I enjoy it. And, you know, of course, I still feel like I have several years left to fight. And uh, I get annoyed hearing all this, oh, you need to retire, all these questions, oh, are you? You're going to retire? No, I'm not fucking retiring. Yeah, no, I mean, even if shit doesn't work out with the UFC, which I hope it does, obviously, but even if it doesn't, I still think you can go out there in other leagues and, you know what I'm saying, make make money fighting, you know, for the rest of your career is what I'm trying to say. You can make money in this sport no matter what, even if it doesn't work out with the with the UFC. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I know in my heart, regardless of anything, besides getting caught with a fucking upkick, I've never lost anybody that wasn't a top 10 fighter. Everybody that's ever fucking beat me was a, was a world-class fighter. So, uh, and the biggest organization in the world, the fucking UFC, you know, so with the best fighters in the world. So, um, uh, I mean, there's other organizations that definitely have phenomenal fighters. Um, but as a whole, the numbers, you know, they, they'll have, there's other organizations that have two or three guys that could really fucking try to possibly be champions in the UFC. But as a whole, the majority of the guys in the UFC are better than the majority of the guys in other organizations. We'll see what happens, um, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I, it sounds delusional to people that, that, that I haven't lost any confidence. Like, I 100% fucking believe in myself. Like, like I, just like I did when I fucking had one nine fights. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, nine and one in the UFC. I, 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 none of that has wavered. Um, it's just, you know, it, it, you do have doubts in your mind that you're going to get the opportunities that you got before. You know, those things come to your mind. But as far as the ability to win, I don't question that at all. Well, that's good, man. And look, you're going to have some time now to to work on things, to to think about things. And uh, hopefully everything works out in, in, a, in a positive direction, man. I mean, you've still been consuming uh, the same materials. You're still reading the books and listening to the tapes like you used to. You know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm just getting back into it the last couple months because the thing is, is it's weird because I used to study self-help and personal development almost religiously, right? And that is when my fucking career just skyrocketed and took off. And I, I literally, like, just kind of lost interest in it. Like, it just wasn't, I, I just, I was I kind of bored with it. And then from there, at that point when I did, that's when my, sh- my life went to shambles. So I started putting two and two together. I was like, maybe maybe that did have some some, some, some causation of it. I need to get back on this shit. So I've been studying. I've read a couple of books in the last couple of months. And it's still, you know, reading books and watching videos and stuff. Hopefully I can get it back. 
Hell yeah, man. Listen, I'm always an advocate of the Tony Robbins stuff. Uh, got all his tapes, man. De- that stuff that stuff will definitely help. And I-, I feel where you're coming from. Like, we're human beings. Sometimes we fall out of that stuff. Sometimes we get bored with it. But I've noticed every time I head back to it, it always makes a difference. So, you know, I'm not one to give you advice, but I'm sure it wouldn't hurt. Let's put it that way. For sure. That, and that's, that's, that was my train of thought, you know, when, when, when I was at the top, you know, um, uh, uh, I was, I was reading that stuff religiously, studying videos, um, books and everything. And then I, uh, I read probably 30 books in about five years, which like countless seminars and stuff like that. And then I, I kind of got bored with it. So I, I've gotten back into it. I actually was just reading this book right here. Um, uh, the, it's called the power of focus. I've been reading it. It's written by actually three authors. Um, three authors together wrote it, and um, one of them is Jack Jack Cranfield, who's the author of that Chicken Soup for the Soul or whatever books. So it's 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 pretty pretty good book so far as well. I'm about a third of the way done. Nice. You recommend I uh, check that out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, let me finish it and then I'll give you the full the full um uh, uh details of it and let you know. But yeah, so far it's very good. Awesome. Well, James. Always appreciate the time, man. Uh, you know I wish you nothing but the best. The fans can follow you on Twitter at James Vic MMA. They can follow you on Instagram there as well. And, man, just uh, take this time and, you know what I mean, use it wisely. I know you are already. I don't got to tell you shit, man. You know what you're doing. So uh, best of luck to you, man, and uh, we'll speak very soon. Yes, sir. Always good talking to you, Daniel. Be safe, bro. And there he is, James the Texecutioner Vic. Uh, always thankful for his time, Uh I know he's kind of a polarizing figure in the MMA game, but I've known this guy a while, always been one of the nicest guys to me and uh, a truly good dude. So I wish him nothing but the best. And I, I hope they can give him that, uh, you know, that John McDessey, that Clay Guida, that tune-up fight. You know what I mean? Uh, no disrespect to my boy Jim Miller. Maybe throw him in there. But, guys, as you heard me repeat myself a hundred times, I want that John McDessey fight for Vic. Uh, let him pop someone's head back and know what it feels like to win a fight again. I mean, his last win was against Francisco Trinaldo, who's very serious. But when you're fighting the top 10 guys on planet Earth, the Felders, the Hookers, the Gaethjes, uh, you know, it's going to be pretty tough if you haven't corrected certain technical mistakes. So it's good to hear that he acknowledged that. He's working on it. And hopefully, you know, he can he can start back up with a little cupcake and work his way back up and uh, eventually get the big fights again with uh, with the new technical improvements that he's made in his game. Well, now let's hit up uh, Mike Biggie Rhodes. And joining us now on Half the Battle is longtime friend of the show, Mike Biggie Rhodes. Mike, how's it going, man? Going good. It's nice to be back. It's been a while, but we're here. Let's go. Man, it really has been a while, but dude, uh... You know, in times like this, you you gotta you gotta go back to your friends, man. You're you're one of the originals, man. Uh, I remember, you know, when I was first starting this shit, you were one of the guys that gave me the time of day. And man, we've been friends ever since, so it's good to go back and talk to you know guys like you. But what I gotta know, man, is how are you handling these crazy times? I mean, look, it's not just the United States, it's not Canada, it's not Mexico, it's the whole world, Biggie. Uh, we're all going through this together. How you been holding up? Man, I'm good, honestly. Like, uh, you know, I, I have an outgoing personality and, and, and all that. You know what I mean? A lot of people see that. But, I mean, deep down, you get down to it. I like being at home. And uh, I got my roommate, JP St. Louis, um, his lovely girlfriend, Ella. Uh, we live together. So it's not like I'm completely alone. You know, um, I'm quarantined with family. And uh, we're just chilling. You know what I'm saying? We all homebodies. We, we kick it with each other. So this is just like a an extended weekend for us. I mean, I like that mentality, but look, I got to ask you this, man, because like I was telling the fans on the show earlier, 
the thing that sucked most in terms of like my normal daily routine is that jujitsu is canceled and it should be canceled because I mean, you know, this whole six feet, you know, social distancing, uh, jujitsu is like, uh, you're, you're, you're close up, man. There's no, uh, there's no distancing in jujitsu, but the reason I'm bringing this up, man, is look, I'm a one stripe blue belt and I miss it. You're a black belt, Mike. Uh, has, has this been tough for you not being able to get in the gym and do one of your biggest passions? Um, yeah, it was, you know, um, we actually just got some mats, um, from a buddy of ours, Todd, who trains at Rupert Sport. He has some puzzle mats, um, that I was able to purchase from him. So we actually outfitted our basement, uh, with the whole little home gym. Like we got a nice little setup. So, uh, me and JP actually rolled yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, five, five minute rounds, but yeah, definitely just missing um, all of our training partners, like, like we're talking, we're talking trash back and forth in group messages, but you know, we missed the, the real grind of being in the, in the gym and being able to train with everybody, but we're making do with what we can. But I know a lot of people are, you know, without, you know, anybody around them to actually be able to train or match. So I know people are, you know, missing this stuff dire and it's one of those things that's a, a really important to people. And, you know, it's healthy. It's one of the healthy lifestyles that, you know, people are choosing to live, and I know it sucks to be missing out on it. It really does, man. I mean, I was telling uh, the fans earlier, that's that's my therapy. That's my outlet. That's like every single day at noon, I go to Gi Curry Jiu-Jitsu, and that's just what we do. And that's that helps you be centered. It helps you be level-headed, focused on other areas of your life. So now there is all these, all these other, you know, emotions running through you, all these other feelings because it's like, you let those things out at jujitsu. So now it's like, I got to find other ways and yeah, running might do the trick, but like, man, I don't like running. Like I like jujitsu. So I got to ask you, man, you're the black belt here. What kinds of things would you tell the people at home that are a bit frustrated? They need some kind of outlet. They need to let things out, man. They need to let things go. And they don't have, you know, a gym to go to anymore. Um, honestly, what, what I would say is try to find, um, you know, an outlet within your home that can allow you to do some of these things, um, you know, whether it's, you know, focusing on basic jujitsu moves, shrimping, uh, you know, technical standups, different, different things that you can do on your own. If you wanted to be jujitsu centered, uh, you know, find a YouTube channel, you know, kind of sit down and look at techniques that are around your belt level, your belt rank, your capabilities, and, uh, you know, really try and fine tune the details, um, you know, visually and mentally, you know, maybe even create a little notebook where, you know, you know, when you actually get back to training, um, you got, you got some things that you're able to try or some things that you, you, you've added to your game. Um, you know, I think I've made a substantial jump in my jujitsu just because for a while there, I was only watching jujitsu videos. Like the only thing I was taking in was jujitsu videos. So it, it's an escape that you can watch it, you know, watch, uh, you know, matches that have happened, you know, if you have fight pass or YouTube and, you know, kind of look at those things, but, you know, uh, with jujitsu comes, you know, injuries and pain and stuff like that. So maybe this is a time of healing for some people that, you know, when we do, when this, you know, coronavirus ends, um, you know, they're able to actually get back to training or even training harder or, or, or better. And man, what kinds of things have you been doing to pass the time? Cause, uh, I know, uh, I know you've bought me out uh, when I get sent to that gulag and war zone, but what kind of other things you've been doing, bro? Yeah, honestly, man, uh, I've been playing Warzone. You know, we got some games in. I've been uh, I've been playing with some people that I've met just on Twitter. You know, like uh, never actually met them in person, but 
Uh, I got a couple guys uh, who have, like, become, I would say, friends to me as far as, like, you know, gaming goes. Um, but like I said, we, we set up a nice little gym downstairs. I work for uh, the Wisconsin Athletic Club here in Milwaukee, or in Wisconsin, I should say. And uh, they have gyms everywhere, and they actually closed down a gym recently so to open up a newer one. So they gave me a bike, some weights. We got mats. Uh, we got an Airdyne bike. Uh, because JP is my roommate and, you know, a high-level fighter as well, uh, we've been continuing to get training in. But mostly, man, we're just hanging out with each other, um, you know, playing video games, watching different TV series. Ozarks just came out, uh, so we watched a bunch of that stuff. But, man, we're actually just kind of chilling, man. It's like everyday life to us, but, you know, we're just not able to uh, go, go to gym or, you know, things of that nature. They're still working from home. Um, I'm not, so I don't have to do, you know, some of the things that they are, but we're just chilling. So look, obviously you and I, we're not politicians. We're not doctors. We're not scientists, but, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. None of us knows the answer to this. If you had to make a guess, when do you think things will somewhat go back to normal? Um, I think it's hard just to put a certain timetable on it just because people aren't complying with you know, the things that we're supposed to be doing, like, uh, we're, you know, we're staying at home, um, we're isolated, uh, you know, and, and we're doing our part, but there's so many people that aren't. So they're just, you know, they're not allowing us to get ahead of this thing to where this quarantine could be over. Um, I think they just, yeah, they just extended the date of the quarantine, I think to the end of April. Um, you know, so maybe, end of May, uh, middle of May, towards the end of May, hopefully everything's back to normal at that point. Um, but that just depends on society if they're going to, you know, follow these guidelines. And it's like, it's one of the easiest things that we've actually been asked to do to help each other, which is staying your ass at home and, and laying down or playing video games or just chilling. Like, I don't see, you know, the hard thing. If it was like, hey, you know, jump on this picket line and let's do this or, you know, crawl down into some coal mine and do that. Like that I can understand being harder for people, but all you got to do is stay at home and we can, we can, you know, hopefully get out of our homes quicker. But I, I'll say hopefully, you know, early, early to mid May, hopefully it's completely done and everything's back to, you know, back to normal. Well, look, I'm doing my part. You're doing your part. So we encourage everyone at home to do your part as well. So we can all, uh, Get past this situation, man. Now, before I let you go, and this is uh, Mike Biggie Rhodes here live on Half the Battle. Mike, uh, so, dude, you're killing it right now in your career, man. I mean, look, it's funny because people might remember that amazing fight you had with Robert Whitaker at 170 pounds, but now you're out here, you know, fighting at 205 and LFA and CFFC on a three-fight win streak. You got an ankle lock, a knockout, a nice unanimous decision in there. How are you feeling about this point in your career right now at, at 205, no less? Yeah, man, honestly, 205, uh, you know, most of the people, if you know my story, you know I was a heavyweight, you know, when I first started MMA. I fought at heavyweight. I fought at every weight class on the way down. Um, and as, you know, as I grew up and as I became a man and as I started to eat a little bit too much, uh, I just kind of went up into weight classes, but, um, I'm very skilled. So for me, man, it's, it's like, whatever, I'll fight the 205ers, I'll fight the 185ers. Uh, I just like the fight. And so, um, you know, it, it's good to be able to be a winner. You know, that's, that's most important for me right now is I'm continuing to win. Um, I was just thinking this to myself though, and me and JP were talking about it, like, you know, we're at home right now and we're kind of, you know, forcing ourselves to do workouts and 
uh, it kind of ignited that old grind, you know, like, uh, I think sometimes we get too like scientific with training, uh, especially, you know, like in this new age of training, we get too scientific with it. And, uh, I think I lost that like grittiness that just willing to go and do workouts and grind and, you know, something I, I would say my, my really good friend, Dustin Ortiz was like good at pulling me into was just always training. So, um, I think I'll get back down to 80, 185. I'll do 205. Um, I'll, I'll kind of fight wherever, you know, I can fight and I just want to get back to being active. And, uh, when this is all done, I want to be as active as possible. And I want to, you know, make a run at making some, some, some real dough in this sport. And last thing for me here. So a lot of people might not know that this was you, but this was you, uh, back when Anthony Pettis had the fight with Nate Diaz. So on fight week, they had you at the open workouts and, Listen, it wasn't like you were just holding some pads or, you know, doing a little light sparring. Anthony Pettis was fucking kicking you hard as hell and was literally, I mean, the people watching at home are like, holy shit, he's teeing off on his sparring partner. Now, granted, you're a 205-er, like, so you can take it, but uh, I haven't really seen too many, like, exclusive sparring partners that were willing to just take that beating like you were. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about that, man, because that was badass to see. Um, Honestly, like you said, I'm I'm way bigger than him, so... You know, a lot of those shots would probably typically bother, you know, somebody of that size, but I'm way bigger. So I was able to kind of absorb those. But even I was a little bit surprised of how hard he was throwing. But like when when Anthony's in the zone, like when he when 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 that that switch flips for him, like you just got to be on your P's and Q's like he's not meaning to be mean. He's not trying to hit you hard. Like it's you know, that's so close to fight time that like he. At, at that point, man, he was ready to make weight. He was ready to fight. He was pretty much ready to be done with training. But, you know, I've been training with, um, you know, high-level guys, not only Anthony, but, you know, some of the other guys that I've helped with fights. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. You know, we're a high-level gym, so everything we do is pretty high-level. So I just got to be on my P's and Q's and be ready to, you know, move and, and catch things. And, yeah, that spinning back fist, I was like, when he hit it, we both kind of looked at each other, and I was like, ooh, shit. I was like, I got my hand up. You know, because, like, he, he threw that thing. So it was just, uh, you know, even even afterwards, he's like, hey, my bad, bro. You know, I, I, I got in the zone. And it's just one of those things when you're locked in, man, and you're a high-level athlete, like, you understand it. For sure. And I think the fans at home, if they don't remember what I'm referring to, go back and watch uh, the UFC Open workouts for that Pettis versus Diaz card. Uh, it was pretty fucking awesome, the kind of show uh, Showtime put on there with you. And, uh, man, Biggie. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for joining me uh, during these times, man. Uh, we're going to get through this shit. Uh, the fans can follow you at Team Rock Biggie on Twitter. Anything else you want to let them know before we go? Man, if y'all if y'all want the Call of Duty, come join me and my boy Half the Battle Dan on, on the Call of Duty sticks. Hit us up on Twitter. You know, we'll exchange those uh, gamer tags and shit, but you better be good because we're trying to get dubs out here. <laughs> you know it. All right, Mike, you have a go on, and I will speak soon, man. Thanks for the time. All right, you too, brother. Thanks for having me. Mike Biggie Rhodes, at Team Rock Biggie on Twitter. Uh, really good guy. Hit us up on Warzone, too. It's a lot of fun with him. But, guys, thank you all so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Uh, I'm going to be pumping out these quarantine episodes, uh, these quarantine editions, all throughout this coronavirus quarantine. So don't y'all worry about that. Make sure y'all follow me on Twitter, at Best Fight Picks. On Instagram at DFL on drums. Now, listen, my Instagram is private. I don't accept everyone. Like, if you have 
zero followers and no profile pic, I'm probably not going to accept your request. But if I know you're a real person or if you've been, uh, you know, on the queue for a long time, send me a message. Tell me you're a fan of the show and I'll probably accept you quicker. But if I have no idea who you are, that the... <laughs> I'm probably not going to accept that request, so just make sure y'all let me know in advance, unless I unless I know you already. So, but guys, thanks again. Also, I mean, hit me up on Twitter too. My DMs are always open to everyone. There's no there's no approval process for for the Twitter, so don't y'all worry about that. I mean, you know, I normally plug my website, but there's no there's no bets coming up, so you don't got to worry about bestfightpicks.com, maxbetseason.com. We'll get back to all that soon. Make sure y'all subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places where we are available, I truly appreciate all your support. Uh, thank you so much. It's very, it definitely, uh, it definitely warms up the soul to know the kind of love that y'all have been showing me, and just know that the feeling is mutual. So thank you guys very much. Uh, you know, normally until the next time, let's cash these bets. But now it's uh, until the next time. Stay safe. Stay inside. Do the right thing. Let's get past this uh, coronavirus quarantine, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some good news and some upcoming fights to talk about shortly.